Welcome to the Perfecting Your Practice podcast, where we will talk about finance for the healthcare professional and medical practice owner. This series is brought to you by Bankers Healthcare Group, the leader in financing solutions for healthcare professionals. Since 2001, BHG has worked with more than 100,000 licensed practitioners to help them reach their financial goals. Perfecting Your Practice is designed to talk about ways you can invest in your career and practice in order to set yourself up for success. Now here's your host, Chris Panabianco, Chief Marketing Officer at BHG. The good, the bad, and the ugly. It's not a Clint Eastwood Western. It's email, folks. Welcome to today's show. My guest today is Andy Zabalski. He is our Marketing Automation Manager at Bankers Healthcare Group. Andy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Today, you know, as, as we go on as marketers, we hear a lot about email. We hear a lot about digital, direct mail. And depending on who you talk to, someone might, or some might say, you know, email's dead. Are we spammed out, Andy? By no means are we spammed out. I mean, so in the past year, we've sent right around 1.8 million more emails than we sent last year. Um, and to say that email is dead kind of gives it the the stats don't don't represent that. If if email were dead, we'd be seeing less and less emails being sent. So a lot of our listeners are practice owners. They are small business owners outside of the healthcare industry. Uh, what would you say to a business owner if they're not on email right now, if they're not using it effectively? Uh, what would you say to them? I would say you know email is is one of those tools that unlike Facebook, unlike social media or you know Google Search or any of those things, it gives you the opportunity to have that that one to one personalization, that one-to-one connection with the customer or the prospect um, that I don't think any other channel can really can really deliver. Um, so as a, as a small business owner, you know, having that one-to-one connection is, is key in not only um, bringing on new customers or new clients, but as well as keeping current ones and making the current ones, you know, feel more important than anybody else. So two questions. We're going we're gonna to go down two different avenues today. If you're listening, you might be saying, you know, this is overwhelming. I can't design email. I don't have a list. You know, I have a small marketing budget. What do I do? So I want to attack the latter first. My marketing budget, I, I'm a small practice or I'm a small business owner. I don't have a lot of money. What do you say to that when it comes to email? So there's, there's, there's a lot of ways. What, what, the one thing that's nice about email is it doesn't cost a lot of money to to perfect and to have it be have it have an impact on your business um, you can do you can start as as little as sending emails through your outlook or your gmail or wh- whatever email client you use um, and there are also other free um, email services out there that you could use like mailchimp um, if you have a list size or a, a database or your customer list is smaller than 2,000 people and you send less than 12,000 emails a month um, it's free to use so that's one resource that is out there that you know will give you um, kind of the upper hand when it comes to email marketing and being able to not only reach out to your prospects but and current customers, but also you know be able to track them and know what they're interested in and know who's engaged and what they're engaging in. So we talked about cost. It's very low cost. It's oftentimes not even a charge if you have under certain amount. But as you go up, what are some of the other benefits of using an ESP? Andy's wearing his MailChimp t-shirt right now that none of you can see, but I do like Constant Contact as well. There are many free services out there, but besides just having a low-cost place to throw all of your data, what are some of the other benefits of using that as someone who's not 
a marketing professional, not a designer, uh, things along those lines. So one of the big advantages of using a you know email service provider or a marketing automation tool is a lot of them already have pre-made templates. So you don't need to have any kind of coding experience. You don't need to hire anybody to code these emails. You don't need to go to an agency to do these it's pretty much the email templates are already there. They're already created. All you need to do is go in, click, and put your content in and send to your list. So one of the things we hear a lot, of, you know, people, the mobile mobile phone usage, everybody's checking their email a million times a day, but they're doing it more so on their phone and mobile device or their iPad. What do I do? Again, I, it's not sending to a desktop anymore, so you have to have different versions. It seem, Again, it seems overwhelming. So most of the templates, which is really nice, nowadays is most of the templates already have all those capabilities and responsiveness built into them. So if someone were to view your email on their cell phone or iPad compared to their desktop, um, it would all, it would render and it would look correct and it would look good. So it, so if it were coming from you, it would look professional, it would look as it's supposed to. What about our data? So a couple avenues or a couple of ways I want to talk here. How do I manage all that data? I've got a thousand emails from my practice. I've asked my patients for their email or I've been to trade shows or whatever it is. So I've got my data. What do I do with it? How does an ESP help me there? But also what about uh, list acquisition? Do I buy? Do I rent a list? Do I, how, how do I get more people to, to email? So I think the, the, the first and foremost is, is don't buy lists. I think the reason why I'd say don't buy lists is pretty much um, you're going to spend a ton of money buying this list and the conversion rate on that list probably is not going to be that good. Um, historically, we've seen, um, we being the email industry, has seen purchase lists have a much, much, much lower conversion rate than lists that are built organically. Um, so some of the different ways that you can build your list would be through, you know, like, like, like Chris said, like trade shows or, you know, different events where you can go and network and, and bring people in. Um, and if, if you're a small business owner, the first place I would really start would be your current, uh, customer base. Um, or when you bring on new customers, make sure that they give you your email and let them know that you per periodically will be sending them newsletters or, uh, alerts or things like that to keep them engaged so that, you know, maybe if they don't need, they come in for a, a cleaning once every 12 months or once every six months, that they're still engaged and, and they still know you're out there. So that's a good segue into where I want to go with this. Now that I've got my list, I've uploaded it in, into an ESP. Uh, you know, I, I'm managing the list. I have some templates. What are some of the different things that I want to go out there and do? For example, is it lead generation or patient acquisition, or is it more nurturing? You, you touched on that a little bit. Walk me through some of the different kinds of messaging, and then how do you plan that? Is there an editorial calendar? Walk me through. Yep. So I think first and foremost, you need to, to understand um, kind of what, when, when you send a message to your customer, what you want to, what your goal is, what your end goal is. If your end goal is to, you know, um, bring in more customers right now, immediately you're going to want to do a lead gen campaign that is going to have that hard sell maybe at the bottom or at the forefront or have some kind of incentive in it. Um, something to drive them into the door or fill out a form or call you or any of those things. Um, Compared to compare that to something like a, a lead nurturing campaign, where um, those are going to be more of the people that you know aren't ready to buy right now, or aren't ready to convert into a paying customer, and those people are going to get things like a newsletter or things like um, 
an alert, maybe like, oh, just uh, a news that's going on in the industry. Maybe if, if you're a dentist, maybe you send them an article on, you know, the top rated uh, toothpaste that's out right now. Or if it's back to school, maybe different ways to, you know, protect yourself or your kid from any kind of germs that could be coming in. Um, any of those types of things. One of the greatest things uh, I've ever experienced in email, it kept me when I lived in Orlando, Florida, anyone who's been there knows that it's about the most chaotic traffic in the United States. Uh, but I would go across town twice a year to the same dentist because they continued to send me an email every year on my birthday. It was just a little, little something very personalized, but it was better than any other healthcare professional had done. Yeah, and, and things like that are, are the things that not only, you know, could potentially bring in more customers, but it, it holds current customers. Um, companies that, according, according to Forrester Research, companies that uh, do lead nurturing generate 50% more sales-ready leads at a 33% lower cost. So by kind of warming those people up before you just kind of go right at them and, and try and sell to them, um, you're more likely to have them convert. So the message of buy, 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 buy is going to, you know, not be, it's going to cost you more money and not, may not be as effective as lead nurturing would be. You've written a few articles on lead nurturing. You've also written some on how age plays into that strategy. Uh, walk us through, is there a magic formula for creating content on that lead nurturing side? So if, if there was a magic formula, I'd be, I wouldn't be here right now. I'd be rich. But um I think the, the real answer to that is you need to really know your customer. Um, when it comes to something like age, you need, you need to know what resonates with, with the actual customer or the prospect. So things like, you know, putting a video in an email or, you know, maybe some customers like longer emails opposed to shorter emails, um, you know, kind of knowing what your customers like and how, how they like to consume it will, will be part of that formula, which will get you those higher conversion rates. So we talked about conversion rates. Again, I'm not a marketing professional. What are the things I should be looking at if I am going to take the next step and I'm going to go on to MailChimp or Constant Contact or HubSpot? I'm going to upload a list. I'm going to pick a template and I'm going to choose to send various uh, messages. What are the things I should be paying attention to most as far as conversion? Is it successful? Is it not? I, th I think that goes back to what your what your goals are. I mean, if you're if you're looking at like a, a lead generation campaign, you know, the word conversion is going to mean how many people came through that door, how many people called that number, filled that form out, replied to that email. Um, opposed to if you look at like a lead nurturing campaign, conversions could be something like how many people engaged with that article or clicked on that video, things like that. So I think to to take the first step in knowing kind of what you should be looking at, you have to know kind of what your goals are and what your end goal is. What are some simple things that I could be testing if I'm going to send an email campaign? Uh, one of the big things, and it's super easy to test, is uh, different kinds of subject lines. Those are those are really really easy to test. You change those up, those could get you know uh, different open rates and and could potentially lead to higher conversions. Um, one of the um, one of the things that it can be compared to is if you're sending a direct mail piece out or a mail, um, getting someone to open that envelope, getting someone to actually look at your message. Um, because, you know, if you, if you want to test things within the message, like, you know, bullets or images or buttons or anything like that, um, it's borderline, it's impossible if they never actually open the message to see what's in there. What are some things to watch out for when creating subject lines? You never want to do it all in caps. 
Um, if you do the whole thing in caps, it's going to get caught in like a spam filter. Um, you never want to put uh, too many exclamation points. I try and stay away from those as much as possible. Um, That's my it, go-to. <laughs> That's where I've been going wrong all these years. Um, one, the probably the the and and there's so many different and, and little things that you can do to better your your testing and in your in your results. But I mean, one easy thing you can do is is go into your own inbox, look at your spam box, and look and see what's in there. And that's going to give you a good representation of what people are sending you that's hitting your spam box that box that you should probably stay away from. What about the use of the word free? Um, I would stay clear of that. A lot of um, companies um, have seen that got get, get higher conversion rates. But a lot of the times if you use that word with either a, a uh unengaged lead it's going to hit their spam box if 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 you're using that word with um you know someone who is not familiar with you then there's a good chance that they're going to see it and think it's spam so i think you know if you want to use that word free do it very cautiously and only do it with an audience that is familiar with you and receiving your emails and your messaging how often should we be emailing people um, I think it really depends on, again, it goes back to the, the goals that you want to achieve. Um, if you, you want, if you're lead nurturing somebody, you know, you, once a month, once, maybe twice a month. I, I wouldn't do any more than twice a month if you're looking to nurture somebody. At that point, you know, you're looking at maybe, you know, if you do it twice, three times, four times a month, every single week you get an email. Um, and that, that might be a little bit overbearing. Um, and then you know, so I would I would kind of keep it to once at, at most twice a month. Um, but then again, if you if you're doing something along the lines of you know um, a survey or or you know some kind of alert or things like that, then I would you know if I, I would go as as much as 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 you need to. So we've got the email opened. We've talked about how often to email. What are some of the do's and don'ts? The good and the bad within the message of what you're sending customers or patients? The biggest thing, and I see this a lot, and whenever I see it, I immediately delete it. I don't open it. I don't even read it, is make sure that your message is not one big image. If you just put an image in an email and send it out, it's going to get caught in spam filters. It's going to not get you know, a very good delivery rate, a very good open rate, because it's not going to hit their, it's not going to get to their inbox. You know, companies these days like like Gmail or Yahoo or, um, you know, Outlook or, you know, different private companies, they've done a great job of using third-party spam tools to help prevent um, emails like that from, from hitting your inbox. You just mentioned spam. Uh, can spam is something the the governing body with all email marketing communications. Can you walk us through some of the do's and don'ts there, and how an email service pro- provider can actually protect you? Yep. So w- the one thing that's really beneficial about using an email service provider is they will give you guidelines on how to craft your message, on how to make sure that what you're sending is not going to get either a caught in the spam trap or you might get potentially blacklisted for sending, you know, a, too many bad messages to, to, to incorrect records or leads or anything like that. So I think, you know, using the expertise of a email service provider um, is probably one of the most underrated benefits of using one of those tools, um, opposed to just sending out of your outlook and, and hoping for the best. And I think one of the things I've seen, too, is the positioning and the actual content. They set you up for for success. 
with what the message should be. So at the bottom of your email, you have to have these certain elements. It has to be worded this way, something that the novice would never know if you're just sending to a list, if you're doing the spray and pray uh, type type marketing. Yeah, and a lot of the tools actually will provide you with um you know, an analysis of what you want to send to let you know, will it hit the inbox? What's the likelihood? It'll sometimes give you tips on, you know, what what words might trigger spam, different things like that. So those are that's another big benefit of using those tools. And the other thing I've noticed, too, is that you can now test your message to see how it will render across platform, whether it's your mobile device, uh, tablet, uh, desktop, and then in the email service provider or the uh, the the Yahoo, the Google, it'll show you how it'll render, correct? Yes. So we, we use a, a company called Litmus, and I've used them for eight eight years or so. And I and I not only do that does they, they they let you run that across everything from devices to browsers to different versions. Like we could potentially run a, an email code through a version of Microsoft, or we we could run an email through Gmail on Outlook, Chrome, Firefox, Safari, any kind of browser you can imagine, and it'll show us how it'll render. Excellent. I think one of the last things, you know, we like to have a little fun here. What's the worst email you've ever seen? Um, the worst email I've ever seen? Uh, probably one that I did not create. Um, it, I got it to my inbox. Um, it was just one big image and the whole thing linked to a grocery store and when you click on it it went to a error page nice so not only was it a full image but when you clicked on it it didn't go to anything excellent you've never sent one of those in your in your career never excellent that's why we hired you if anybody if anybody comes to me and says hey here's our email it's just one big image i will delete it excellent (laughs) my my favorite are the ones that start out hi space space comma like they know me, but they forgot to put my name in or they get my name wrong. Uh, be careful. Even when you are uploading lists, I will tell you that if I get an email for Diane or for Andy and I'm Chris, uh, you know, that's definitely getting deleted immediately. Uh, those are some big don'ts. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the dangers. If you do go out and buy lists, that's one of the dangers that might happen. If you have incorrect data, not only does it make you look bad, but it makes your company look bad. So uh, th- purchasing data, you always are going to run that risk. You're also going to run risks of having a potential um, uh, spam email on there that could get you blacklisted. Andy, uh, for our listeners, what's a good way for them to catch up on some of the writing you've done or to connect with you? Yep. So if you want to connect with me, feel free to send me an email. It's uh, A-Z-E-B-U-L-S-K-E at bhg-inc.com. We got to get you a better email, buddy. Yeah, it's way too, my, my last name's way too long. <laughs> or you can reach him at podcast at bhg-inc.com. I want to thank you today, Andy. I know, you know you've know you been really busy and tied down with your fantasy football team. For those listening, uh, Andy and I went head-to-head this week, and he was actually successful. So I've been dealing with him and his ego all week. So it was fun to kick around a little bit of email and not talk fantasy football. But I want to thank you for joining us today, Andy. You've been a great guest. You've been on our blog. Uh, We've talked email before on our podcast. If you want to see any or listen to any of those episodes, feel free to visit perfectingyourpracticetoday.com. And once again, thank you for tuning in. If you have any thoughts, comments, opinions, shoot me an email at podcast at bhg-inc.com. I'd love to continue the conversation and hear from you. That's it for today. I want to thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. For episode notes and worksheets, please visit perfectingyourpracticetoday.com.
www.thinkingmindset.com. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with your peers. Thanks for listening to the Perfecting Your Practice podcast, presented by Bankers Healthcare Group, the leading provider of financial solutions for healthcare professionals. To learn more about BHG's working capital loans, business startup loans, credit cards, and patient financing, visit bankershealthcaregroup.com.